Hello, thank you for listening to this podcast. My name is Stephen Cook. I'm the team rector of the Northmore team in Devon. And this is a talk for the second Sunday of Advent on the 12th of December 2021. And it's based on Luke chapter 3, beginning at verse 15. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered them all of them by saying, I baptise you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his thrashing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. I will baptise you with water. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. I'd like to explore that idea with you for a few minutes. Jesus is John's call to people was that they should repent. That was the way in which the royal road for the coming king was to be built, through the repentant hearts of people who had recognised their need to change. Repentance is more than an apology. I've lost count of how many calls for apologies we've heard in recent months and years. And when the apology finally comes, often too late and couched in ambiguous language, it never seems to satisfy because by that time people are so annoyed that only resignation will do. Well, some obvious things we could talk about, but let's avoid politics and think about what happened. The news before last week's news about Yorkshire Cricket Club. Even the most effusive apologies, payment of compensation and widespread resignations do not seem to have been enough to rid English cricket of the accusation of racism, because we instinctively know that what is needed is not words, not money, not a change of policies or even a change of people, but a radical change of heart. The desire not just to be rid of the outward expressions of racism, things that might happen in the locker room, but to be rid of racism itself. It needs a, a new desire to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Now, I've not heard a, a call to repentance for Yorkshire cricket, but that's what it would take. A genuine desire, not just to make the problem go away, but to be different. In my last parish, we had a small hall in the churchyard, which is really useful for all sorts of things. And one day we noticed a strange smell, which we assume must be coming from the drains. But even though bleaching and cleaning improved things for a while, next time we opened up, the smell would be back. Somebody bought one of those plug-in air freshers, and for a while, the smell was replaced by the scent of pine. But gradually, the two mingled into a less than pleasant soup. After about a week, we started to notice there were rather a lot of flies around, and the smell was stronger than ever. The time had come for a thorough search. What we found was that a squirrel had somehow got into the building, and when he couldn't find a way out, had made a nest in some papers on top of the Sunday school cupboard, turned up his toes, and died. I'll spare you the details, but suffice it to say that when the squirrel went, the smell went as well. But to this day, I still can't smell pine air freshener without also smelling dead squirrel. Apology in itself is like the air freshener. Unless the rotting carcass that caused the problem is dealt with, the smell will remain. Repentance is like cleaning out and starting again. And that's what John called for. 
with the most undiplomatic of language, he demanded that people change their ways to get ready for the coming king. Now, I've said this before, but I'll say it again because I think it's important. The call to repentance is a statement of faith in us. It says, this may be what you've done. This may even be what you've become, but it's not what you are. It's not what you can be. You can be different. God calls us to repent because God believes in us. God believes that we can be better people, that we can change and become more as we were made to be. The path to forgiveness is open because the king is coming. And that is why in spite of the lack of frills, in spite of the harsh message, in spite of the lack of any miracles that we're told about, people flocked out to John to be baptised. Even though it was a dark message, it was also a message of hope, of faith, of change. So each Advent we are called to repent, not because we're bad people, but because we're good people who need to rediscover their fundamental goodness. People who need to fill in the potholes, clean the mess out of the corners, and return to being the people we're capable of being. It's a call to be realistic about where we are, and visionary about where we can be. But of course that's not entirely what this passage is about. John said that his baptism, baptism of repentance, was a pale shadow of what was to come because waiting in the wings was one who were baptised with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John's baptism was reformation. Jesus' baptism would be transformation. In the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 19, Paul comes across some men at Ephesus and asks them if they received the Holy Spirit when they believed. They say they'd never heard of the Holy Spirit. Paul asks them about their baptism and they tell him they've been baptised by John. Paul lays his hands on them and they are filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to prophesy. And those 12 men became, we assume, the foundation of the church in Ephesus. And of course we have Paul's letter to the Ephesians in our New Testament. The Holy Spirit is not an optional extra for keen Christians. The Holy Spirit is central to what we believe. We say Sunday by Sunday, the Lord is here his spirit is with us. That's how God is present with us, by the Holy Spirit. It's how we receive power. It's how we become the people God wants us to be, little by little, transformed to be more like Jesus. Jesus taught that it's part of God's fatherliness to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. So ask. You do need to repent to accept the need to change, but having repented, you also need the power to change. And that's something God gives to us. The initiative has to come from us, but the power comes from God. It's our decision and God's work. But even that's not the whole story. He were baptised with the Holy Spirit and with fire, says John. This is not a comfortable message. You wouldn't expect it to be. The kind of fire he seems to be talking about is a refining fire, a fire that burns up the dross and leaves only what's valuable behind maybe a kind of swaling fire that burns up the stubble and allows new growth, a renewing fire. There have been many, many attempts to portray Jesus on film over the decades. I was watching one the other night and thinking how incredibly hard it must be to be that actor. In fact, they say, if you star as Jesus, it will be the end of your career. The bad guys, Pilate or Herod or Caiaphas, are much easier, but how do you play Jesus? Mostly he is portrayed as a kindly, understanding, gentle man with a winning smile and a quiet voice, 
who is the inexplicable focus of hatred from the bad guys. But if you read the Gospels, that's not the only picture you get. Jesus could be all those things, but he was also angry, harsh, dismissive. There was a reason people loved him and a reason other people hated him. He was not always an easy person to be around. He would challenge you, see through you, call you on to change. And that uncomfortable Jesus, the challenging Jesus, the fiery Jesus, are not the whole picture, but they are part of it. And we shouldn't seek to sanitise or to make him safe. This is a time for fire, for burning up the unprofitable, unhelpful growth and leaving what is valuable. A time for clearing the ground for new growth. It's what Jesus called people to. Some responded and others plotted to kill him. And when you read the Gospels, you can understand why. So here we are, standing on the threshold of Christmas and the threshold of another year, which may contain who knows what. This is where we ready ourselves for the coming King and we say yes. Yes to repentance, to the need to change, and yes to the Holy Spirit and fire. The power to be transformed and to become that little bit more like the person we call Lord. It's challenging, it's uncomfortable, but it's also exciting and radical. And that's why John the Baptist was the man of the moment. And that same message comes down through the centuries to us. I'm going to end with some words from Philippians chapter 4. Because they seem to me to sum up what it means to be transformed in the way that John and then Jesus were calling for. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. May God bless this word to us. Amen.